Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek, and today I'll be talking with reporter Marlene Sokol about the latest activities with the Hillsborough County School District and its defense of its efforts to implement turnaround plans for four of its schools. The State Board of Education really was not happy and let the superintendent know it at its Wednesday meeting in Tallahassee. Let's first take a listen to a little piece of that meeting, and then we'll go right to our conversation with me and Marlene. The voices you'll be hearing are those of State Board Member Tom Grady and Superintendent Jeff Akins. You wrote a very persuasive letter to the department, which I took to be a letter to this board. And in that letter, which I'm sure you recall, from September 29, you spoke eloquently and passionately about the importance of two things. One is leadership, and two was great teachers. Right. And you made, as I understand that presentation and Chancellor Lyon's presentation this morning, you made two commitments to this board. And I'd like to simply ask you, without asking you for a repeat of the explanation you've already provided this morning, I'd like to ask you first, did you in fact replace the principals and leaders at the four top two schools identified in your correspondence, Dover, Mango, Palm River, and Piso Elementary by December 15th of last year. Of this particular year. Uh, the, the, the Yes or no, so did you replace No, them? I did not. The, the, the goal was to, re, to, to assess the leadership and the progress of the school throughout the beginning of this year and to make a decision about, uh, to make a decision about the replacement of the principal at that particular time. Based off the day that we are seeing, we feel like the progress is going in the right direction for those particular schools. And if I may, Madam Chair, continue. Security. I want to make sure I understand the facts correctly before sure. leading to further decision making on my part. And that is, you said we are currently implementing the transition of leadership at four additional schools. There has been no transition of leadership at those four schools, correct? Correct. This year, there's not. And now Hillsborough County Education reporter Marlene Sokol comes back to the Gradebook podcast for our conversation. Marlene, welcome back. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's wonderful. It's always a pleasure. So yesterday, which was Wednesday, we saw the State Board of Education sort of dismantle Superintendent Aikens over the way that they were implementing their turnaround plans at Mango, Palm River, Piso and Dover Elementary Schools, they were asking them to make some significant changes, particularly in leadership. I understand that you have had a chance to talk with the superintendent a day later and let us know what's the latest, what's going on with there. Well, I just spoke to Superintendent Akins, and I, after reading your article, which described what seemed to be quite the beatdown yesterday, <clears throat> and I, I asked him, you know, how he felt, if he was surprised, and Mr. Akins is always very diplomatic, so if he felt like it was too harsh or too punitive, he, he really didn't say that. 
um, by way of explanation, he said that his goal, and this is a direct quote, my goal yesterday was just to be transparent about the data we're seeing at these schools under these principles and sharing with the state board some of the progress we were making. So, you know, his, his feeling was, uh, okay, I'm going to keep the board up to date, keep them in the loop, tell them that things are getting better. And, and these are my words, not his, the, the state board, they just didn't want to hear it. I wonder on that because it's very interesting. If you watch the state board enough, you know that when they call forward a superintendent and they say, tell me how things are going with this turnaround plan, they've been so insistent on removing these principles from these low performing schools. What didn't he know or who didn't tell him that this was going to happen? Because it seemed kind of obvious to longtime watchers like me that something was up. Yeah, and, and some of it is in the weeds, and I'll, and I'll try not to get too deeply into those weeds, but there's two different methodologies. There's the state VAM, which for the lay people who are listening, the value-added measure. That, that's, these are the statistics that show what the children learn from one year to the next. Um, so, the dis- so the state has its way of measuring that. Hillsborough County has its own way, which it considers much more sophisticated. So they use their own VAM and they use their whole evaluation process. So there, are, so it is two different ways of measuring how well a teacher is teaching, and and this gets to you know the teachers you know who who got unsatisfactory ratings. Now Hillsborough, now Superintendent Aiken said that under state law it is okay to use your own evaluation system when you're making sure that, you know, teachers, you know, good and bad are evenly distributed through the schools. However, this agreement that they had made with the state, this specific agreement for these 17 turnaround schools, that specifically said use the state VAM. So some of it was that. And um, I also learned, I mean, this was fascinating to me, one of the accepted ways of solving this problem is to take the teachers who are not getting good scores and put them in grades that do not take the standardized tests, put them in kindergarten or first or second grade, and then they don't count against you. That makes no sense to me personally, but apparently that's something that you are able to do to make your numbers work. I was I was about to laugh out loud, you know, the LOL kind of thing when you said that, because I've heard that before, too. But I also wonder, what is the value of taking somebody who couldn't help a third grader and putting them into kindergarten? I don't understand it either, but apparently that there are a lot of things that the state allows <clears throat> and even encourages. And I've seen this, you know, before as well. For example, bubble kids, you know, focusing a lot of your efforts on, you know, kids who are just on the bubble between passing and failing the FSA and the state auditors, they're fine with that. So, but we're kind of getting off on a tangent here. Um, but yeah, there was a difference between the state VAM and district VAM. Um, you know, and the other thing, and you hit on this in your article yesterday, Jeff, is that some of these teachers who were still at the 17 schools, they may have had an unsatisfactory or needs improvement rating based on last year's work. This year, according to Superintendent Akins, they were improving. And in fact, in the weeks before December 15th, he made sure that they had observations. He made sure that they were reevaluated. And he said they were quality teachers. They were giving quality instruction. 
And yet, you know, the state is playing hardball and they're saying, no, we want them out of there. Yeah, the state seems to have taken this position for a couple of years now that principals are the leaders of the school. And if their schools are not performing, the principals need to go. And and then to make matters more insistent on it, they, they say, look, kids are only in school for a certain period of time. So while you may be explaining your long range plans and your processes and systems, that's not good enough. Let's hear what board chairman Marva Johnson had to say on that topic. My concern is for time. Um, I, I have a great appreciation and respect for process. I have great appreciation and respect for the investment you're, you're, you're planning out to systematically improve quality of, of our instruction over time and quality of our leadership over time. But if I'm nine years old or 10 years old, I got one year to learn, you know, third grade math and fourth grade math. I don't get 18 months. I don't get two years. And if the person in front of me is ineffective, it's not fair. It's just not fair. And and we've got to figure out a way to do both. I, 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 I absolutely believe that making the investment that you have planned out in terms of systematically improving quality of instruction and helping those teachers fill those gaps and not being reactionary to, to, to assume what the adjustment should be and actually studying it is important. But you've also at the same time got to focus on the number one objective is making sure those students that year, real time, get the instruction they need in order to be successful. And, and so whatever it takes to figure those two things out, time is of the essence. It has to be done immediately. 18 months is too long. Two months is too long. You know, I, I can't even keep my kids out of school for three days and not get the instruction that they need to have in order to be prepared. So um, I, I struggle because what I don't have a clean perspective on is really how much time we're taking, not from the instructors and leaders perspective, but from a student's perspective. How many school semesters have I lost for my students? Yeah. And, and it's hard to argue with that logic. I mean, it, you know, as, as many things as, you know, Hillsborough was doing, they're coming back from a huge, a, a lot of problems. I mean, reading levels in Hillsborough are among the lowest anywhere. They have more kids reading at level one proportionally than just about any other district that's near us or the same size as we are. It's something like one in four kids in Hillsborough County are testing at level one statewide that number gets a little bit closer to to one in five um, which is the reason why we have 36 schools that are called extra reading time schools they're among the lowest reading performance schools out of all the elementary schools in the state so hillsborough leads the state in a lot of these you know unflattering markers and it all stems from reading so on, on one hand you want to applaud the state for, for playing hardball and for saying, look, we don't have time to waste. You know, these kids need to learn how to read. Um, the reality, however, if you talk to Jeff Akins and people on his team, is that turning around the school does take time. And it takes two years. It might take three years. So you have that reality versus what the state board members were saying yesterday, which is these kids don't have time to wait. It's really interesting, too, that when I mentioned these four schools to several people, these were not the four schools that anybody expected to hear the names. They were expecting other schools. And 
I guess those are among those that the district has taken more drastic and dramatic steps with changing teachers and changing principals more quickly. I wonder, you've mentioned those, they're called what, Elevate and some other names that they've assigned to them. How are they doing? The Elevate schools, yeah, and the Elevate schools are more in the spotlight. The numbers are are more discouraging. Um, Superintendent Akins, when he first came on the job, he announced that he would put a laser focus on seven schools in the East Tampa, Sulphur Springs area. Not that he didn't care about the rest of them, but you've got about 40 or 50 schools in the district who really need, that really needed to improve. And you cannot fix 40 or 50 schools at once. So his thinking was, you know, we'll, we'll try and make the biggest impact on these seven schools and then we'll see what we learn from the experience and, you know, and try and transfer that to the other schools. At the, so those are the schools that have gotten the most publicity. I've written a lot of stories about Booker T. Washington, about Potter, about McLean, about Sly. And so really the public has focused a lot on those schools. Also, people in the activist community, um, people in East Tampa have focused on those schools the rest of them, which are scattered, I mean, these four schools, they're not in the inner city. They're in the inner ring suburbs, Mango, Palm River. Um, Piso is, you know, near, it's actually, it's on the University of South Florida campus, but you don't hear about them as much. Also, there have been some concerns that, you know, if these schools don't improve, that the schools of hope, that new charter school program might come in and and challenge them. I know that two of the other district schools, Chamberlain High and Robles Elementary, have received the traditional school grants to give them two years to try and improve with $2,000 per student extra to see what they can do. Are you seeing that the district is trying just a variety of programs? Is it, is this just a throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks method? I don't think it's throwing stuff at the wall. And, and I think in terms of charters, the district's position all along, ever since um, Schools of Hope was introduced in the legislature, was, okay, let, let's see if it really happens. Because we don't, you know, we don't see companies tripping over each other to come in and, and open up a school next door to Potter um, or next to Booker T. Washington. So I, I don't think that there is a fear of charter schools coming into neighborhoods that are served by low-performing schools. If anything the charter operators are going where the money is and, and they're, they're going out to the newer suburbs. But as far as trying everything and sticking to the wall, they're doing a lot of things. They have a, a principal pipeline program to try and get more principals, you know, more quality principals. Um, they've put out a serious push to try and get high performing teachers to come to schools with high needs. And, um, and they have principal coaches, which has been, very controversial. It's a lot of money. And, you know, there's not enough money to pay the teachers their their scheduled raises, yet they're paying principal coaches. But they are trying a lot of things to to move the needle at some of these schools. Um, One of the more interesting things that um, Aikens has spoken about, and we're hoping to hear more about is preschools, you know, know, preschool classes in some of the inner city under-enrolled schools, because kindergarten readiness is a problem and and that gets to the issue of teaching kids how to read so they're trying a lot of different things i i just you know i, I just don't know how soon we're going to see the results 
Speaking of soon, how soon are we going to see the principals changed at those four schools? Well, I asked the, I asked, uh, the superintendent that. Um, he already spoke to um, State Education Commissioner Stewart last night, and they're negotiating that because what he said was that, and, and let me scroll down to a, a direct quote about that. He says, um, I want to make sure we're very thoughtful about that as well. And this is a direct quote. One thing I know for a fact is how we do this. I want to be respectful to the leaders that are there, but I must make these changes. I also know I want to respect every other school that has a great principal providing support as well. So, you know, he doesn't want to steal a principal away from a school that needs that principal. And then he said to make a move at this time of year is always a challenge. So there, hopefully there will be some negotiation as far as how soon these principals leave, where they go, who replaces them. Well, I mean, I don't want to argue with about what he said with you because he, he says lots of stuff, but this school district is known to remove good principals from schools that need them to put them into other schools that supposedly need them more. I mean, what's stopping them at this point? I don't know. And it's always the dilemma because, you know, as well as I do, when when you change principles at a school, that is a period of disruption, you know, and, and teachers leave and 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 it's, it's just very disruptive. Although, on the other hand, these four schools, if the principals have been there for five, six, eight or ten years, maybe it is time for, for them to do, you know, do something different and, and hope, hopefully get a better result. Well, we will definitely be keeping an eye on all of these schools because, as the superintendent did say, the school district needs a lot of work and they're trying to get it done. So you'll have to come back and talk some more about this. you got to be on this podcast more, Marlene. Thank you. I look forward to it. That's the end of our podcast. If you would like to participate in this conversation or any other, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. For the latest breaking news on Florida education issues, please visit our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening. 